Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Rams Up. This is an L.A. Rams podcast. We'll touch on other SoCal sports news of merit, but it's mostly about the Rams here. Thank you for joining us. You can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com and visit our website at laramsup.com. And please don't forget, subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Ram fans. This is episode 20 of Rams Up, your L.A. Rams podcast. Hard to believe we're already on our 20th episode. It's been fun. And hopefully we'll have some more fun stuff to share with you this episode. Remember last week we began our circuit around the NFC West, checking in on our rivals, the Cardinals, Seahawks, and 49ers. Last week it was the Cardinals. This week, our primary segment, we're checking in on the Seattle Seahawks. We'll see where they are. We'll we'll recap their 2020 season. Look at what they've done to improve themselves. Look at where they may be hurting. And what is the prognosis for their 2021 season? Is their arrow pointing up or down? Much like we did with the Cardinals last week. I also have a special segment I'm not going to ruin it quite yet. That'll be right up after our news roundup here. But I encourage you to stick around. It's a little bit of fun. 
Before we get to our two segments, I wanted to talk about the Rams news and NFL news and SoCal sports news. The first thing I wanted to talk about is the Rams uniforms. We heard they are going to release another uniform set to go along with the all bone, all royal, and the royal on soul, as they like to call it. Those three uniform sets. But I wanted to point out that they also wore three different combinations last year. They wore the Royal on Bone. That was three home games with the Cardinals, Patriots, and Seahawks. They had the Bone on Soul once, that Jets home game, that game we'd all love to forget. And they wore Bone on Royal for both of their playoff games last year, both road playoff games. So I'm really curious to see what this new uniform set is going to be. Is it going to be is it going to be something similar to one of these other combinations we've already seen or is it something completely new? Something completely off the charts. I guess we're just going to have to wait and find out. Those all bone by the way, they wore in five away games and one home game. The all royal, they wore in two away games, the Niners and Bills, so they were 0 and 2 in those. In the Royal Ensemble, they wore in three home games, Niners, Giants, and Bears, and one away game at Miami. I see Rams players have been piping in on free agents they would love to see join the Rams or players they would like to see the Rams seek out and trade. Aaron Donald wants Melvin Ingram. Kind of tweeted a cryptic note about that. Hey, let's go get him. And Jalen Ramsey was encouraging the Rams to trade for Stephon Gilmore. I kind of find this annoying. I mean, I love Aaron Donald. Aaron, I had my photo taken in front of your locker the other day. We'll get to that in our segment coming up. And Jalen, love you to death, but you guys should not be piping in on social media about transactions you would like the Rams to make. And also keep in mind, One of the factors preventing these things from happening, these transactions from happening, is the salaries that you guys are drawing from the Rams. So keep that in mind when you're encouraging the Rams to sign free agents. Sometimes their hands are tied by the salary you're making. More on Aaron Donald, Pro Football Focus, named him as the best player in the NFL. Wasn't really a surprise. I thought it was either going to be him or Patrick Mahomes. Donald led the league of total pressures last season with 98, and he's also the best-graded interior lineman against the run over the last three seasons, so he earned it. Jalen Ramsey was on that list as well, 16th overall. Nine of the top 27, according to Pro Football Focus, play in the NFC West. That's one-third of the top 27 come from our division. Donald and Ramsey from the Rams. Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner from the Seahawks. Four guys from the Niners, Nick Bosa, Trent Williams, Fred Warner, and George Kittle, and the Arizona Cardinals, DeAndre Hopkins. I have no issue with any of these guys being in the top 27. It all makes sense to me. Fred Warner, especially a rising star, might be the best linebacker in the league. Golden Tate expressing interest in coming to the Rams. That would be interesting. I wonder how Jalen Ramsey would feel about that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can do some Google searches on it. 
don't want to spend a bunch of time on a family dispute because that's basically what it was. The Rams signed another undrafted free agent, Otis Anderson Jr., out of Central Florida. I thought this was just a roster filler move, training camp, body to throw in there, but this guy actually might have a chance of making the roster. Probably a long shot, but still five foot eight, 179 pounds. But he may be small, but he's a very good running back, really produced some numbers for Central Florida as a receiver and a return man as well. I went and watched some tape on him, and this guy uh, matched the scouting reports that I saw. He really sees blocks well and uses his blockers really well to get through the first line of defense, and man, does he have some moves. I suspect he's being brought in as another option in the return game, see if he can earn a spot. Obviously a long shot, but liked what I saw on tape anyways. Uh, One last bit of NFL news, Carl Nassib coming out as the first active gay player in the NFL. Kudos to Carl, and I agree with most others. It'll be a great day when this is no longer newsworthy. Unfortunately, now it still is. SoCal Sports Roundup, Dodgers had a little bit of a bump in the road there. Then they got no-hit, combo no-hitter thrown by Cubs pitchers, but they got things right over the last three games against the Cubs. Up next, a big two-game series at Dodger Stadium with the Giants. That should be fun. Giants are suddenly playing like one of the best teams in baseball, and the Dodgers and Padres are both chasing them. Who saw that coming? And about those no-hitters, man, sometimes I really feel like baseball is becoming unwatchable. Home runs, walks, strikeouts. Seven no-hitters this year already. Batting average is way down. I think the cumulative batting average across the league was like 236. Home runs are fun, but remember the St. Louis Cardinals, Vince Coleman and Willie McGee, guys like that, Tommy Herr, the way they played the game. Don't you miss that? That's not what we're getting anymore. And these seven no-hitters are evidence of that. Put the bat on the ball. Let's play baseball the way it used to be. The root of the problem, though, is how dominant pitchers have become. And I don't know what the answer is. Baseball needs to find a fix for this, though, because when no-hitters become ho-hum, that's a warning sign. When you watch a game and... You see seven straight batters, and only one of them puts the ball in the play. I don't know. That's not entertainment for me. Last item on our SoCal Roundup, the Los Angeles Clippers. Palmdale's own Paul George carries them to a Game 5 victory. They live to see another day. See if they can win two more straight against the Suns and get to the NBA Finals and bring another championship home to SoCal. Last episode, I told you all that I would have something special to share with you this week, and I do. Last Wednesday, I went on a tour of SoFi Stadium, and I have to say, 
It might have been the 30 best dollars I've ever spent. It was quite an experience. Thoroughly enjoyed it. At the request of our tour guides, I'm not going to share too much detail on this tour because they want you to go on the tour. And I do highly recommend it. Our tour guide, Victoria, was excellent. Really enjoyed our 45 minutes, whatever it might have been an hour, somewhere in there. But this is what I can share with you. Our group of seven went. The guides took us on what you might call a journey throughout the entire stadium, sharing lots of really cool information and how it was built. A lot of stuff that some of you might find boring. I find it kind of interesting, though. Showed us some different seating options, suites and such. They weren't pushing anything, though. I thought they may be leaning on us for season tickets, but that did not happen. But then after the 45 minutes of meandering through the stadium, we were given an hour plus on the field. Actually, we could have stayed as long as we wanted, it seemed like. We did a cool little tunnel run onto the field. And then on the field, you could do a 40-yard run. You could do the shuttle run. You could try some field goals. You could try some throwing accuracy skills. But then you could just play on the field. After we did some of the skill tests, I ran the 40 and 7-1, by the way. We just found a football and ran some corner routes into the end zone, tried our hand at punting. I scored two touchdowns covered by nobody. Also boomed a 35-yard punt. The field goals. Now, field goals are a lot more difficult than you think. I'm wondering how many of you out there think that you could kick a field goal from the 10-yard line through the uprights. How many of you think you could do that? I'm going to say probably 95% of you think you could do that. And I'm going to tell you right now that 95% of you cannot. It's pretty difficult. I will say, though, my son was able to connect from the 10-yard line. They kept on moving him back because he was booming it through the upright, splitting them. He's a former soccer goalie. That's uh, the skill set he was leaning on there. But he finally hit from 35 yards through the uprights, and then they moved him back five more yards, and he missed. So he really enjoyed that. Just laying on the field, taking selfies. It was pretty cool. We also got to go into the Rams locker room. Took a picture in front of Aaron Donald's locker and into the press conference room. Get up on the podium and pretend like you're addressing the press. It was a lot of fun. I highly recommend it. By the way, parking was not a problem. We drove up, told the guard what we were there for. He waved us on in. Parking lot N over by the pond, right in front of the American Airlines VIP entrance. It was really very simple. And LA traffic, everyone complains about. We did it on a Wednesday. It was really a breeze. Yeah, we hit a little bit of traffic coming home, but it was not a big deal. So if you're in the LA area, greater Southern California area, go to the website SoFiStadium.com stadium-tours. Pick a day, pick a time, and get your butt over there, man. It's a blast. Like I said, 45 minutes, maybe a little longer. 
on the guided tour. And then we were on the field for probably an hour and a half. That included the press conference room and the locker rooms. And like I said, we could have stayed there longer. There was a, a dad and his two boys playing offense, defense, dad, all-time quarterback. They were playing when we got to the fields, and they were playing when we left. Had a whole quarter of the stadium to themselves. So that's kind of cool. My son will have that memory forever, hitting the upright and the ball going through at SoFi Stadium. We'll be thinking about that every time we watch a game or every time we go to a game. A lot more detail I could share with you about that tour, but I'm not going to. I'm going to honor that request of the stadium tours. Highly recommend it. It's a good time. Last week, we began dropping in on our divisional rivals. Thought it would be a good time this time of year to check in on the Cardinals, Seahawks, and Niners. Last week, we recapped what the Cardinals did last year and what they've done since the end of last year. Kind of get a fix on where they're headed. Is the arrow pointing up or down for the Arizona Cardinals? This week, we're doing the same for our friends in the Northwest, the Seattle Seahawks. Pete Carroll, of course, returns as coach. He's been there since 2010. Defensive coordinator Ken Norton, fourth season with the Seahawks. And their offensive coordinator this year will be Shane Waldron. They nabbed him from the Rams. So he's going to try to bring that Rams system and Gerald Everett, by the way, to the Northwest. What about last year? Last year was a strange year for the Seahawks. I think they were misgaged by the so-called experts. The first half, Russell Wilson tore it up. The pass defense was historically bad, but they won games, and everybody thought, and everybody thought, what a fantastic team this is. They're going to beat everybody. Second half, not so much. Russell Wilson turned out to be human, and the defense improved, and they won games in different ways. So it's really difficult to sum up that Seahawk team from 2020 bit of an enigma. Russell Wilson, we heard that let Russ cook chant for the first six, seven, eight weeks of the season. And towards the end there, I don't know, wasn't that impressive really. But overall, he had an incredible year. The Seahawks are a weird team. It's like every year, I think this is the year they're going to be average. But they find a way. They always find a way. Must be good coaching. It's part coaching, part culture, I think. Never write off the Seattle Seahawks, unfortunately, even though I may be tempted to do that right now. Last year, they started out with five wins, as I said, beating the Falcons, Patriots, Cowboys, Dolphins, and Vikings, giving up over 20 points in each game, over 30 twice. But they're 5-0. and Russ is tearing it up. Then they lost to Arizona in overtime, 37-34. to Russell Wilson throws three interceptions in that game, including one in overtime that led to Zane Gonzalez's game-winning field goal. So they dropped a 5-1. They come back and beat the Niners, giving up 27 points. They lose to the Bills, giving up 44. 
Then they lost to the Rams, probably their first decent defensive performance. They, they lose to the Rams, though, 23-16. Then they beat Arizona to get to 7-3. and Closed out the season with a win over the Eagles, a loss to the Giants, then four straight wins over the Jets, Washington, the Rams, and the Niners. So they finished 12-4, and closed out with four straight wins. Got to give them credit for that. But how many good teams did they really beat? We're going to count the Rams, I suppose. Maybe Washington. Dolphins. They beat the Cards once. They beat the Niners, who are wrecked by injuries. And then, of course, that playoff game and Terry Bradshaw's prediction, it's going to take a miracle for the Rams to beat the Seahawks. What was he thinking? Not paying attention, Terry. Pay attention, please. You're an expert supposedly, but the Rams pretty much handled the Seahawks in that game, as many of us expected. Because why? Why because? Why did the Rams handle them? Because the Rams were a better team. Up and down the roster, at most positions, excluding Bobby Wagner, Russell Wilson maybe, the Rams are the better team. And it didn't help DK Metcalf was winding on the sideline, winning the ball, and Darius Williams said, Yeah, go ahead and throw it to him. Thank you very much. Rams win the game. How'd the Seahawks finish? 17th ranked offense in yards per game. That's worse than the NFC West, though. They were 16th in passing and 12th in rushing. Really running back by committee there. Chris Carson, 681 yards. Wilson, 513. Carlos Hyde, 356. Wilson finished with over 4,200 yards. Decent enough. What's really impressive, though, is 40 TDs and just 13 interceptions. And remember, three of those interceptions came in that game against Arizona. Finished with a 105.1 quarterback rating. So needless to say, Russell Wilson had a fantastic year. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, 1,303 and 1,054 yards receiving, respectively. Their defense, despite that horrible pass defense, they finished 22nd overall. So they're pretty strong against the run. 31st in pass defense. 5th in rush defense. But was that because no one bothered to try to run against them? Just throw the ball around the field and rack up some yards and points? We'll never know. Their pass rush was actually pretty good. 46 sacks. But nine and a half were from their safety, Jamal Adams. So that's a bit of an anomaly. I don't know if that's a recipe you want to mix on purpose to have your safety leading your team in sacks. But that's how the Seahawks got it done last year. But they also allowed 48 sacks. So they're actually minus two net sacks. And by the way, the Rams only allowed 25 sacks. The offensive line that everybody thinks has to be constantly replenished only 25 sacks last year. Seahawks gave up 48. A lot of those 48 sacks can be attributed to Russell Wilson's playing style. I even have this theory, I'm not going to argue strongly for it, that Russell Wilson does not mind having a horrible offensive line. I think he actually might even enjoy it. It allows him to be him. He loves to scramble around and make incredible throws after extending a play. You actually give him solid protection, he's going to be a different quarterback. 
and he might not enjoy it as much. Don't put a lot of weight on that, but it is kind of odd that the Seahawks never seem to be focused on improving that offensive line. And meanwhile, everybody's telling the Rams to draft offensive linemen, and here you have the Seahawks giving up close to 50 sacks a year. Whatever. Experts aren't seeing what I'm seeing. So what have they done since the end of last year? Well, they've added a right guard in free agency, Gabe Jackson. So that's probably a good move. He comes over from the Raiders. They also bring on Alden Smith, our old friend from the Niners and Cowboys, still trying to reclaim a glorious career. From the Jaguars, interior defensive lineman Al Woods. Gerald Everett, of course, the tight end from the Rams. We mentioned him already. And cornerback Akello Witherspoon from the Niners. Right now, he's number one on the depth chart at cornerback. Remember, they have some losses at that position, which we'll mention in a minute. One issue for the Seahawks is a team that's losing a lot of players by attrition. We'll mention all of them shortly. Is they only have three draft picks. The Rams so often hammered by the press and by fans for having zero picks when they end up with eight or nine. Here we are with the Seahawks and the brilliant Pete Carroll. Only three picks. One of them was a player we all liked at Dwayne Eskridge, the wide receiver, second round pick number 56 overall. Their wide receiver core is getting stronger. It was already very good with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Now they have Dwayne Eskridge and Gerald Everett. The other two picks, a cornerback, Trey Brown, and an offensive tackle, Stone Forsyth. With the Seahawks, it's quite easy to list all their draft picks, right? They only had three, so we're done. The losses? The losses are significant. I'm only going to list five of them here, the ones that I see as being the biggest impact. They lost cornerback Shaquille Griffin to the Jaguars. Key guy on their defense for several years. Good cornerback, so he's gone. Two other players to the Jaguars, wide receiver Philip Dorsett. I don't think that's that big of a loss, really. And running back Carlos Hyde. Rashad Penny, is he finally going to be healthy this year? If so, he would get those carries that would have gone to Hyde. They also lost defensive end Jaron Reed. He was second on the team in sacks, so it led the defensive lineman in sacks. Jamal Adams leading the team from the safety position, as I mentioned. And tight end Jacob Hollister, he goes to the Bills. And there are several other guys they lost. Not going to get into all of the individuals that are gone from this roster, but let me just say they have not added nearly as many as they have lost, it seems. But somehow, some way, Pete Carroll's going to make it work. We know that, right? So if I'm a Seahawk fan, and I'm not, but if I was a Seahawk fan, what five things have me excited about this upcoming season? Number one, Russell Wilson. He's playing as well as any quarterback in the league, with or without protection. Gotta love the guy. He's so much fun to watch. So painful to watch if he's going up against the Rams, although the Rams actually handle him pretty well. Usually come away with several sacks, but... I never feel like a game is put away when I'm going up against Russell Wilson. If I'm up by 11, 12, 13, with five minutes left, I'm still scared. I'm still worrying. Russell Wilson's a great quarterback, no denying that. 
Number two, that receiving core. Got to be excited about that. Eskridge, Metcalf, Lockett, Everett, Will Disley. It's a pretty good group. Not super deep, but the first five guys I mentioned, all very talented. If Russell Wilson can continue to extend plays, the defensive backs will be scrambling to keep these guys covered. So got to be excited about that if you're a Seahawk fan. Number three, Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams. The Rams have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. The Seahawks have these two guys, Wagner and Adams, two of the best at their positions. Wagner getting up there in years, but I haven't seen play tailing off. And they got that other linebacker now, Jordan Brooks, starting alongside next to him. So got to be excited about that. Number four, the coaching and the culture. I think I've alluded to that several times. The Seahawks always find a way to get it done. This would be one year that I think we could see a drop-off in the win total for the Seahawks, but I'm just not counting on it because of the coaching and the culture there. Pete Carroll, if nothing else, has established a winning culture there. Got to give him credit for that. Number five, Shane Waldron. Waldron and Everett arrive in Seattle. Sean McVay has rubbed off on them a little bit, don't you think? It'll be interesting to see how that offense cooks with Shane Waldron at the helm. Okay, if I'm a Seahawk fan, what am I worried about? What five things suggest the arrow may be pointing down on your Seahawks? One is attrition. All those guys leaving. Lots of players leaving through free agency. A lot of significant guys. Carlos Hyde, Shaquille Griffin, Jaron Reed. It's a concern. And number two is kind of related to that. Not a lot of new bodies coming in either. Three draft picks. Very few free agent signings of note. So I'd be concerned about that. Between one and two players leaving, few guys coming in, three draft picks. Certainly not the best situation for a team trying to defend a divisional title in the toughest division in the league. Number three, an obvious area of concern is that pass defense. It was horrific last year. It was horrific last year, and now you lose perhaps your top cornerback. Is Witherspoon the answer? Marquise Blair on the back end. Trey Flowers, perhaps one of your cornerbacks? I don't know, man. The Legion of Boom, this is not. And they don't have that pass rush that can help that defense out. Their pass rush is coming from their defensive backs, actually. So I don't know. It just doesn't add up for me, and I would be really concerned. Number four thing to be concerned about is, well, Russell Wilson. We mentioned him as something to be excited about, but we also have to be worried. He was very disenchanted, at least if you listen to the news stories. Wasn't thrilled at all with the direction the Seahawks were going. So how how are things going to go in Seattle if they lose two or three early games? Russell doesn't play well. Or Russell plays well and they still lose. It'll be interesting. Certainly got to monitor that if I'm a Seahawk fan. And I'm not. 
I'd be paying close attention to that. And the fifth reason, the arrow might be pointing down. Well, it's been pointing down for this reason for many years, that offensive line. It's still very mediocre, and they're playing in a division with the Niners, Bosa, the Rams, Aaron Donald, and the Cardinals, J.J. Watt. Do they have the offensive line? I'd be worried. I don't think they do. Russell Wilson alleviates some of that concern because he can extend plays, but man, 16-game schedule, 17-game schedule actually now. I just don't like that setup. I don't like an offense designed around a quarterback who is ultra-talented but has to scramble for his life every time he drops back to pass. Russell Wilson may love it, and I think he does, but as a fan... Gets a little old. So what do I think is going to happen with the Seahawks this year? I think they're going to stumble a little bit. I hesitate to say it's going to be a year they fall off a cliff because of that coaching and because of the culture. But I do think they're going to struggle. They're not going to get to 12 wins again. I'm thinking maybe 9 or 10. I think this could be the year they are surpassed by the Rams for sure the Niners, possibly, and even the Cardinals. And that's not taking a huge shot at them because I think all three of those teams are going to be good. Could come down to one or two games where the breaks go for them or against them. I think the Rams and Niners are at the top of this division and Seattle and Arizona are going to be battling for third. But Pete has proven me wrong many times before. Hopefully not again this year. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at ramsup.com. And please subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And remember, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there.